This is WMPG. My name is Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space, a show devoted to subjects that are hard to talk about because they make us feel vulnerable, afraid, or ashamed. This month, we've been exploring the topic of women's sexuality, and my guest tonight is Gina Ogden. We're going to be talking about cultural messages about women's sexuality. Gina has her Ph.D. in sexology. She's worked as a marriage and family therapist, a sex therapist, a teacher, a researcher, and she's published three books on women's sexuality, Women Who Love Sex, The Heart and Soul of Sex, and most recently, The Return of Desire. Welcome, Gina, to Safe Space. And I'm so delighted to be there. Yeah, I I want to say, too, that I had the delight and pleasure of being in a professional study group with Gina maybe eight years ago and learned so much. I'm so glad. I know I'll be learning more from you tonight. Well, it was the, the study group was, was really part of, of what brought these books uh, to fruition. So you're very much part and parcel of, of them. I'm, del- I'm really delighted about that. I wanted to start tonight by asking you to tell us a little bit about how you came to be a sexologist, someone who got a Ph.D. in the study of sex. Sure. I started out as a family therapist in the early 1970s, and people coming into our clinic were having all these sexuality issues, and nobody who was training me could deal with them. So mm. I... Um, I thought I'll get trained, and one thing led to another, and I ended up with a Ph.D. in sexology. And and did you find that when you told family members in particular that they were, I mean, did you get any messages about, oh, my goodness, that's that's not uh, academic, uh, we don't study that, or, you know, did you get those kind of, that kind of feedback? Well, my daughter said things like, oh, mom. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a hard sell for her. <laughs> uh-huh. How about your own mom? My own mom was not alive at the time, so I didn't Uh have to deal. In fact, neither parent was alive, so I didn't have to run that particular gauntlet. Do you think they would have been nervous about it? I grew up in Boston in the days when uh, there wasn't any sex in Boston. Oh, I see, right. So uh, they probably were adopted. They would have been in (laughs) denial. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right. I can imagine. Well,. I know that you are, we are doing this show, I want to say, right off the bat, because I know you're coming to Portland next weekend to do a workshop for women and girls about messages that girls receive about sexuality. And so I want to really plunge right into that that topic. And to ask you, you know, how do you think about what girls learn about sex in our culture? How do you even begin to think about that topic? You know, I I think about it in, in a way more through through women than I do girls, oh, and okay. secondarily through girls. But obviously, all women were girls, so right. there it is. But in, you know, through our religious system, through medicine, through media, um, we women and girls are defined not by ourselves, but by, by these institutions, I think. Mm-hmm. And so many of us get these incredible double messages about sex. And one of the primo ones is good girls don't. But on the other hand, on television, in rap music, you you get very graphic sexual images. So so what's a girl to believe? 
Right, so confusing. Yeah. So maybe one way to do this would be to sort of walk through some of these major institutions and let's talk about what the messages that they each give. You mentioned medicine and the media, uh, religion, the family, school might be some of the ones that come to mind. Um, which one do you want to start with? <laughs> <laughs> you know, in a way, they they all kind of give the same message, but it's their twist on the message. Yeah. I think when we get into religious messages, we, we get into the whole morality scene. Yeah. Sex is dirty. Right. Um, abstinence only. Don't don't give yourself away sexually. Virginity is is somehow supposed to be the highest good. Yes. But again, this is a double message because assuming that you swallow this whole and assuming that you manage to get married, then suddenly you're supposed to open the spigot and become this uh, very sexual creature. Otherwise, medicine comes in and stamps you as dysfunctional. There's something wrong with you, and you have to go to a doctor to get fixed. So it's very, very weird. You know, right. how can a good girl be a good girl um, if we're getting all these conflicting messages? Right, as if marriage, you know, is this one path, this only one right way to suddenly be allowed to become sexual. Right. And it's supposed to transform you from being completely asexual to suddenly all sexual. Yes. Overnight. Yes. Right. I, I have this um, cartoon that I printed in the heart and soul of sex, and you'll just have to visualize it because it's radio, but it's two large bottles of olive oil. Okay. This is how I, I show the messages. And one bottle is labeled extra virgin olive oil. <laughs> right. <clears throat> and the other bottle is labeled cheap slut olive oil. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> I could go on and on, but <laughs> yes, then, but it it it's almost that graphic. Mm-hmm. And the, another wonderful double message, wonderful. I'm saying tongue in cheek. Yeah, is that it's you're supposed to sex is dirty, so you're supposed to save yourself for marriage. So it's like sex is dirty, save it for the one you love. I know how confusing is that, right? It doesn't make any sense at all. Right. Uh, yeah, so there's so much confusion. I mean, the other thing I want to say about the, the virginity idea about don't give yourself away, I think the other piece of that that's very con- confusing for girls is that with virginity that you lose something. I was just going to say that. That you lose something that you never get back. That And, and that sex is going to automatically feel as if You've lost something about yourself that you... It, it makes you feel one down, I think. And, you know, it's right in the language, I lost my virginity. Right. <laughs> and to me, it goes right back to what my particular area of inquiry is, which is sexuality and spirituality, and the split that is in the culture between these two concepts, that... <clears throat> that you say you lose your virginity instead of I opened up a whole new universe of feeling, of meaning, of ability to love, of ability to um, to honor my body 
and mm-hmm. and bless it with this amazing amazing um thing called sexuality sexual energy right you know i found myself wondering though i you know i know that i think back to my 7th grade classes on the greek goddesses and wasn't there a whole other idea about virginity originally? I mean, that the virgin goddesses were whole unto themselves, and there was something, there was a whole different understanding about even what it meant to be virginal, I think, well, historically. Well, language is an interesting thing, and I, I used to be an English teacher, so I'm kind of ah, okay. into that. But, for instance, the word silly, which we think of as stupid, used to mean blessed Oh, really? As in the silly sheep were in the pasture, the blood sheep are the always the, the always sim- the silly ones, right? <laughs> well, they're the, they're the symbol of of blessing and and divinity, oh, and by the that. same token, virgin, which now means basically untouched, unsullied, and pure, mm-hmm. and definitely unsexual used to mean woman who is whole unto herself. Yes. As in the Vestal Virgins who would initiate men, the male priests, um, into the ways of the goddess. Oh really? Yes. And and was I don't know much about that. Initiating a priest into the ways of the goddess. Did that involve Sexually, sex? Absolutely. Oh I see. Oh absolutely. I see. So they, they were would... like the the sacred in, uh, instructors. Yes. And that's, oh. that's where Isis, of course, those are the Isis mysteries, um, she being the, the, the initiator into the sexual mysteries. That was, that was one of her names. And she, um, the Isis mystery schools are, are about these sexual initiations. Really, where and the it woman is not, was the teacher. Not, I, I have to say that it, it's not dirty. It's holy. It's, yeah. the, it's the opposite of dirty. Yes. It's the body as a temple. Fascinating, the two, that in that story, the woman was the expert. She was the teacher. She was the one who initiated the man. It's so often viewed as the other way around. So the, the virgin was the sexual expert, effectively. Back in Greek days. <laughs> yeah, you could call it that. I don't know if it's so much expert well, as connected to both earth and heaven. Very much um, a, a being of, of, of the universe. Hmm. So it's, it's not so much expert in, in the sense that we think of as knowing all the scientific facts. No, oh, I don't mean it that way. Yeah. I just mean she was, she was connected to herself and knew how to uh, bring uh, a naive, a, a, a virginal in the sense of the word now, man, into the sacredness of what that was. Exactly. Okay. Because, because women, because, and you can go way back into mythic history and and see on the walls of um of caves and in early sculptures and stuff that that the the early religious symbols are are very much around women's pregnant bellies mm. and um and the copulating of the of the god and the goddess who whose energy created the world so it took some very strong, determined people 
we assume male people way back, I don't know, five to three thousand years ago, um, to 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 change people's minds about that and right. to scare people about their sexuality so that they could control them. Yes, my guest tonight is Gina Ogden. Our subject is cultural messages about women's sexuality. My name is Dr. Ann, and this is Safe Space. So, Gina, let's talk about fear, because I think that the net effect of the confusion that you're talking about from all these double messages, these sort of good girls don't, but save it for marriage, is to confusion leads to fear. Like, well, how, who am I then, and what am I supposed to be, and what's right, and what if I'm wrong? And yeah. When I when I was a little girl, I had I had an object that I just loved because it was so beautifully made. But when I think about it now, it's really scary. It was three little brass monkeys who were about an inch high, with you know, see no evil, right. speak no evil, hear no evil, yeah. and of course. The message was that evil was the S word. Oh, oh. <laughs> and um, I never knew that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I was spared you, that message. You probably didn't grow up in Boston. <laughs> mm. I, I do consider myself to be a recovering proper Bostonian. Right. Um, but I think the message so much, the fear message, is first of all, you've got to please others in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And and you should never talk about your feelings. You should never talk about what you want. Don't make any noise. Don't touch yourself down there. Yeah. What will the neighbors say? Right. What will you know? What what will become of you? Yes. And I think a lot of these fear-based messages probably travel through families from mother to daughter, mother to daughter, because in fact. I mean, here we are in your safe space, but the world is not a safe place for girls and women. That there are predators out there and there are sexual predators out there. And we need to teach our our beautiful little girls not to ride in a strange man's car, not to take candy from strangers, etc., so there's a lot of thou shalt not kind of built into the early training of, of girls, I think more than the early training of boys. Yeah, I think it really is a genuine dilemma. As a mom, how do you protect your daughter without either shaming her or teaching her to be afraid of sexuality? That's right. It's That's really right. difficult. Do you have, I know you're probably going to spend a lot of time with that at the workshop on April 4th here in <laughs> Portland. But can you give us a few thoughts about what what your ideas for mothers are about how to how to affirm girls' sexual power without uh, setting them up to be in dangerous situations? That's such a great question. But, and the image that comes to mind actually is, um, is of my granddaughter, mm. <laughs> who at age three was happily lying on the rug in the middle of the living room, playing with herself down there, playing with her genitals and singing a little song. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I'm sitting there with with my son and daughter-in-law. We're just looking at her. We start to laugh. And we just say, it doesn't get better than this, Mm. you know? And so I think that... 
that my suggestion number one is to allow children, babies, from you know the minute they start discovering all the various orifices in 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 their own bodies, to allow them to discover those yeah. and enjoy them and pleasure them themselves in that way. Yeah, and and then. Then along with that, so that the, so that there's a safe place mm-hmm. to do that, which is the home, and it's their bedroom or your it's, it's wherever you decide it is, and then teach them just as you would teach them any other kind of boundaries. <laughs> that the supermarket is not a great place to do that. Right. Um, school, yep. is, it, when they first start going to school, is not a great place to do that. Maybe Aunt Martha's uh, living room isn't a great place to do that. Yeah. And you find ways to teach them that, just as you would teach them, for instance, table manners, or, or why not to say swear words. Not that they're a bad person if they say a four-letter word that they happen to have picked up on the street because they've just learned it. Right. But that, you know, honey, when you say a word like that, it it hurts people's feelings or or whatever. Right. So so what I'm hearing you say is that rather than thinking you're going to have some pivotal one-time talk when your daughter is 12. Kind of <laughs> it's thing. all over by the time yeah, the daughter exact, is 12. Exactly, way too late. Um, you know, that you're saying from the moment your child starts discovering themselves, which starts very, very early, from that moment, you are enjoying their enjoyment of their selves. So that you're celebrating it organically from the beginning. Exactly. And of course, that puts it right back on, on you, the mom, or you, the dad. And if you've gotten really stringent messages about sex, you may get really scared. Oh, my God, she's touching herself. What will I do? Don't touch yourself down there. Keep your hands outside your covers so you're like a little angel. Um, uh, So... Um, that, it, right, the child learns there's something bad about it so soon. Right. So shameful, but they don't know what exactly. Right. right. So, you know, with everything else you have to do, Mom, <laughs> mm-hmm. you have to really examine your own attitudes yeah. and your own rigidities and your own fears. And some of those fears may be very real because a quarter to a third, the jury is out on the real number, of women have been sexually abused mm-hmm. when they were little girls. Right. So, so it, it's, it's a legacy that goes on and on. Mm-hmm. And the easiest way to deal with it is just, is just say no. If we say no to everything, then we don't have to deal with it. It's called denial. Right. Well, we don't have to deal with all the feelings that it brings up in That's us. That's right. That's right. Yes, because the legacy of sexual abuse stirs up so much, right, in the mom. Yeah. And I have to say, I mean, you you know this, and because you're a healer and I'm a healer of women, and we know that it is possible to move through those spaces, dark as they may be, 
Mm-hmm. And so tell me a little bit about what you know about that, how, how you help in your work. What's your way of helping people through those dark spaces? Well, I, one, of, one of the things that I've learned in my 30-plus years of, of being a therapist is to create as, as strongly as I can to, to help the person, client, create a container for their feelings, big, so it's not all over the place. And I, I tend to put a, literally put a wheel on the floor or, or an imaginative wheel that has body, mind, heart, and spirit in it. And I say, you know, our sexuality, our sexual feelings have all four of these elements. And try to, let's see if you can tell your story from each of these points of view, your body, your emotions, your all of the messages that come to you, and and from the place of spirit, from the meaning that all of this has, which might might also include religion, but not necessarily. And so, when what I, what I try to do is is create this my version of a safe space. Which is um, which is a place that people can go to see the whole picture. So they're not just repeating over and over and over again. He did this to me, or mm-hmm. I felt terrible when. Yes. Because when those stories keep getting repeated and repeated and repeated, they get literally locked in your body. People's uh, People's spine seizes up, um, pelvis seizes up, and you cease to be able to make love. You cease to be able to open your heart. Yeah. And um, so you're saying that in the telling of these, almost these four autobiographies, like the autobiography of my body story around sexuality, mm-hmm. the story of my my spiritual journey with sexuality. By, that you hold those terrible memories within a much larger context. Is that what you're saying? That's so that... right. And when we can open our minds and let go of those judgments mm-hmm. um, about, about those stories, uh, when we can wake up and move beyond the kind of messages which are, which are in the culture to keep women down, largely, um, and when we can tap into our sexual imaginations, whether they're fantasies or dreams or, or feelings, uh, we can remember the incredibly wonderful pleasure of being a child, of being in a body that has all sorts of sensations, um, mm. of being able to remember uh, Remember stuff that's good. Mm-hmm. I know in my own life it took me years and years and years to to have to have a, a pleasurable memory about my childhood because I was so locked into the negative mm-hmm. stuff, and to finally reclaim the pleasure uh, opened me up in amazing ways. 
I'm so glad to hear that. My guest tonight is Gina Ogden. We're talking about women's sexuality and all the cultural messages that we receive about it. This is Dr. Ann on Safe Space. So, Gina, we have just a little bit of time left, and I was struck. I was looking at your most recent book, The Return of Desire, mm-hmm. and I was reading a little bit about about love, about women talking about about how, how, what a huge percentage of the women talked about love as the thing that helps them open. Yeah. And I wondered if you could tell me more about that. Well, men do, too. So I'm, I want to yeah. start by saying that. Okay. This, this is based on a, a nationwide survey that I did on sexuality and spirituality. Integrating Sexuality and Spirituality, whose acronym happens to be ISIS, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Just they're bringing us full circle. But... Um, when when I asked the question, and the survey was about feelings and meanings instead of all the performance stuff about sex that you can count and measure. Yeah. Um, what what is it about your sexual that that really helps your sexual experience feel wonderful? Both women and men said it is the ability to share deep feelings with my partner to and it, this is what i call heart centered um sexuality that person after person and again both women and men wrote you know i don't have sex i make love mm. or rather we don't <laughs> yeah we make love and so it's that ability to reach across your own boundary and reach into another person and exchange feelings um, in in a in a in a seamless way. It's the ability for empathy. It's the ability for passion, for compassion, and sometimes you drop again into one of those dark places, and you go through it. Because you have a partner who can hold the energy for you mm-hmm. and with you. Yeah, it's so important. I think. Yeah, I think to hear that. And I'll be, I'll be talking about some of this with the, with the women in the group. There'll be girls in the group who will be, be talking with uh, Lauren Grassud, who's a Planned Parenthood educator, and I'm also going to be training clinicians uh, the day before. Yes, well, let's talk a little bit about that. I understand that's sold out, Gina. Oh, no. So, yes, that part. Oh, no. Yes. So, Friday, April 3rd, during the day, there is a workshop, a training for health professionals that is sold out there. There is a waiting list that you can get on. But get on the waiting get list. Get on the waiting I'll list. I'll come back. I'll come back. <laughs> we want you to come back. <laughs> yeah. If you want to sign up, you get on to hghw.org. That stands for hardygirlshardywomen.org. And go into the section entitled Events, where you can sign up. Gina is also offering a... Um, a reading from your book, The Heart and Soul of Sex, it's kind of a book talk, right? Yeah, I'll be ta- I was just on the phone with um, Gina Rourke. It's always nice to meet another Gina, mm-hmm. and who runs Nomia Boutique in, in the old port of Portland. And she's going to be handling the books, and I think she's going to be giving away some goodies um, there, too, if you buy some books. It's Wonderful. A sexuality boutique. That's so. great to hear. Well, the talk is Friday night at 7 p.m. at the Dana Center Auditorium at Maine Medical Center. 
And then the day workshop, which still does have some openings, Saturday, April 4th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. at True North in Falmouth. And it's a conversation with women and girls. I understand you're inviting 5th through 8th grade girls to come with their moms. Is that right? I think that is it. Yeah. How wonderful. I and wish... we're going to make it very safe, by the way. I, I would safe. expect nothing less. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd had that when I was a 5th to 8th grade girl. I'll tell I you what a too. rare <laughs> and exciting opportunity. Uh, Gina, thank you so much for being my guest. I want to let people know that Tina will be back next week. We're going to be talking more about women's desire, particularly now. Anything you want to say in closing before we end? And this is just my pleasure to to be with you. I, I admire your work so much and, and admire you so much. And uh, thank you for, for asking me to be on. Thank you, Gina. Pleasure is what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to you next week. Okay. My thanks tonight to Jen Hodgson for mixing the sound and Maurice Leonard for the music. My name is Dr. Anne and this is Safe Space. If you'd like to contact me to get more information or to suggest a new topic for the show, email me at drannwmpg at gmail.com. That's dr.annewmpg at gmail.com. Next Wednesday at 730, I'll be hosting Gina Ogden back. Talking about women's desire, coming up next is Money Talks with Allison. Hello there, Portland. It is now 8 o'clock here in WMPG and W281AC Gorm, Portland, broadcasting live from the University of Southern Maine. It is now time for Money Talks with Allison.
Hi, everybody. It's a Wednesday night. We're having a good time here at WMPG. I'm Allison with Money Talks. Um, you are going to be my guest tonight. Last week, we talked a lot about community radio during the Begathon. And thank you to everyone who listened and donated. Uh, WMPG hit the $25,000 goal. If you remember when I was here last week,